0: You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Uh, you know, uh, I, uh, I uh, oh my goodness, I, I have to remember why we're here to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I'm a Christian first and I just happen to be a pastor because God called me. But uh, I'm still catching my breath. I love worshiping God. Anybody else with me just love worshiping God? God is so good. He's so gracious, so merciful, so kind. He's just a good God. So glad you're here. You're not not here uh, by accident. Let me just tell you that. You may be here because this is your church or someone dragged you to church. You should give them a kiss if they did. They care about you. They care about your soul. But God loves you, and God has a word for you. Do you believe that? God has a word for you. So open up your hearts. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace and your love and thank you for your kindness. I'm so grateful, God, that you're not a god with a sledgehammer, <laughs> but you're a god with a hand of love and I'm grateful that your grace is greater than our sin. I'm grateful, God, that you or you're the one who's taking the initiative to love us before we even knew you. And some of us are here right now, God, and and they're just running on an empty tank or they're discouraged. Would you minister to those who are at that low place in a special way here this morning? Others of us are just riding high, and we're on the crest of a wave, Lord. We just worship you on that crest, and we recognize you are the one responsible for that wave, and we choose to worship and honor you and and, and live that life for you. God, I ask that you give me special strength in this service, Lord. You know I preached this a couple of times already, but I pray that it's fresh, I pray for your Holy Spirit, which I already sense is here, but I pray your Holy Spirit works in me and through me. And uh, may this message that come out be come, come, from, come from heaven. May, may it come from your heart, God, as we look at your word in Leviticus. May we understand who you are and who you desire us to be and how to walk with you, God, in this crazy world. So um, have your way here, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whew. Oh, God is good. Hey, um... um <clears throat> I want to share something personal with you, um, just because it's part of the message, kind of. But um, Grace and I, yesterday, made 28 years of marriage, and we we celebrated. We, um, we made it. Uh, it still worked. Those of you, you know, those some of you, have been married much longer than, than me, and I just, I just you know, bow down to you. I think that, that's a beautiful thing. But it's just, just work. She has to put up with me. And, and it's not easy uh, being a pastor or a pastor's wife. I was telling someone the highs are higher and the lows are lower um, in, a, in our position. But uh, we went to the, the Denver Chop House. Anybody ever been to that steakhouse? It's a really, really good thing. And in fact, I told Grace before we went there, I said, let's just get this out of the way. I'm not sharing my steak with you. Let's just get that. That's what I told her. <laughs> she, she got salmon or something like that. But is anybody else like that? When you go out on a date or someone, like, like, for whatever reason, your plate always looks more attractive to them than their plate. Anybody like that? Anybody like to share every time you go out to eat? You, you go you go to get a burrito and you want to share it. You know, you get a cookie and you want to share it. Anybody like that? Raise your hand. You'd be honest here at Thorn Creek. See, you'd love my wife. That's the way she's worried. Hey Beck. You'd love my wife. That's the way that's the way uh, she's worried as well. Um but uh I uh I uh I did that and it was a lot of fun. And then um we went to a hotel. Bada bing bada bum. I didn't do that. The other two services, that's hilarious. I'm glad she's not here. Is she here? I hope she's not here. (laughs) Woo, okay, <laughs> anyway, so I went to the hotel, and yeah, it is going to be good service, um, and, uh, and, and the knob in the shower was broken, the knob in the shower, uh, have you ever been to a hotel, and it's like, you know, Keith, you probably would have fixed it on the spot, but it was all loose, and just wiggling around, and I'm thinking, you know, this is not a hotel that you pay by the hour, this is, should, be a, it should be a nice shower knob, and why is this knob not fixed, and it's kind of bothering me, I got to put it all the way, and I'm like, you know, it's like, you know, I know I sound, you know, whatever, but I'm just, it bothered me. And then the other thing I noticed were above the sink, there were three lights, and one of the lights kept flickering. And I'm like, are you serious? And then, and, and one of the switches didn't work. Does anybody else notice the imperfections of like a hotel that you might go in and it kind of bothers you a little bit? You might expect it to be as close to perfect as possible. Same thing when you get, you know, right now, there's a lot of Amazon deliveries at doorsteps. And, and I, I, I was going to get a pair of hiking shoes. And, and if you're like me, when that, when that thing comes in the mail, whatever it is, let's say it's a, a boots or whatever, and you open up that box and you look at your boots, what's the first thing you do? You hold it up in the light to see if there's any blemish, any scratch. You want it to be perfect, don't you? And we have this expectation, We have it on others, and we have it with our gifts, we have it with our hotel or whatever it is, that it better be up at the standard, but it's really interesting. When it comes to our own personal lives, all of a sudden, that expectation drops, and we might say something like, I'm not perfect, and that's just kind of code for, you know, get off my back, you know, it's, I'm not perfect, it's an excuse for my words, it's an excuse for my actions. And we might use that phrase, I'm not perfect or I'm human. And we say those kinds of things. Well, today's message is it's got to be perfect. It's got to be perfect. And uh, I, I felt led by the Lord to look at the book of Leviticus. Leviticus is one of those books that nobody likes to read. And it's really interesting because in in, in the Hebrew world and Old Testament, Leviticus was the first book a Hebrew adolescent learned, a Hebrew child. It was the first book they learned. And in, in today, in modern-day Christianity, uh, we do not uh, It's the last book we read now. It's the last book. We don't understand it, so we just kind of, you know, glance over it or whatever, and it's just a bunch of books. It's a book with a bunch of laws or whatever. I don't fully get it. But there's one verse <coughs> that pops up over and over and over and over in the book of Leviticus. And here it is, chapter 19. It says this, Be holy. Let's read this out loud, guys. Be holy because I, Lord your God, am holy. That's what you see over and over. And the purpose of this verse is this, is how to worship and walk with God. That's that's it. This idea of we have this holy God, and he desires to have a relationship with humanity that's marred by sin... So you have the sin in the the way, and so you have this holy God trying to build this relationship with with humanity, and he has to deal with this sin because something has to be compromised, and he's not going to compromise his holiness. So what he does is he implements the sacrificial system through this guy named Moses, and it involves animals. So in the Old Testament, you read about this animal sacrificing thing, and that's not something we do today, but in their day, it was very normal. And the whole idea was you bring your animal to this altar and you lay it on this altar and this, uh, this animal becomes you in a symbolic, spiritual kind of way. Hebrews chapter nine says it like this. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, no forgiveness. So you see this. There needs to be shedding of the blood. So let me. I want to help. I feel like I, we just need to understand this whole Old Testament sacrifice thing because I think it'll impact our relationship with God today, and it'll give us a different view of God's love for us and, and and what it means to live a righteous life. But here's a little bit about the sacrifice. Is is first of all, you need to understand the animal had to be spotless. That was a requirement. You couldn't put just any animal on there. It had to be spotless. And the second thing about this animal was that the person offering the sacrifice had to identify with the animal. So when you place your lamb or goat or bull or whatever it is, It was like you on that altar. And in fact, your sins were spiritually transposed onto the shoulders of this animal, on this beast. And and they were you on that altar. They represented you. And the third thing is the person offering the animal had to inflict the death upon it. Could you imagine feeling the warmth of that body and then slitting that throat and, and hearing that anguish from that animal and seeing the blood pour. And you knew you had to do that because of the sin that was on your back. It was God's way of having a relationship with humanity. But it wasn't a permanent fix. I and mean, if it was a permanent fix, why would Jesus have had to come into the world? Why would if he had to go to the cross? So imagine this, you, you do it twice a day, and every day when you did it, it was a reminder that it wasn't enough. What guilt. Every day you were reminded, well, I'll have to do this all over again tomorrow. I'll have to do this all over again. But if anything, they understood that there was a spiritual chasm between them and God. And this loving God God is so good. <laughs> this loving God pursues us and chases us down until we know him. And he, he doesn't give up. And his grace is so great. And he'll work through, he'll go, he'll go through hell to, for you to know him. And, and there's, you're not so far away from God that he can't reach you. You're not so far away from God that he can't reach you. You may have hit the strip joint last night, but God can reach you today. There's no way he can he can go into any bar any place you're at. He he loves you and he cares about you. Check it out. Here's the sacrifice. Leviticus chapter 1. The Lord called to Moses from the tabernacle and said to him, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you present an animal as an offering to the Lord, you may take it from 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 where church? From your herd, that's right, of cattle or, or what now? Or you're of sheep and goats. <laughs> so this is super important. So this instruction right here in the Old Testament means I've got to take it from my backyard. It's coming from me. It's not coming from my parents. It's not coming from my friends. I'm not jumping fences. It's coming from my herd or my flock. And it's coming from, from it's mine. It's mine. And I'm giving it to God. Verse 3 says this. If the animal you present as a burnt offering is from the herd, it must be a male with no defects. That's an important part of this. So he's starting to give you this little list here. Bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle so you may be accepted by the Lord. So verse 3 says it needs to be the best. It needs to be the best. That's what you're bringing to God, the very best Verse 4, Lay your hand on the animal's head, head, and the Lord will accept its death in your place to purify you, making you right with him. Then slaughter the young bull in the Lord's presence. And Aaron's sons, the priest, will present the animal's blood by splattering it against all sides of the altar that stands at the entrance to the tabernacle. The blood purified the tabernacle." Then skin the animal and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the priest, will build a wood fire on the altar. They will arrange the pieces of the offering, including the head and fat, on the wood burning on the altar. But the internal organs and the legs must first be washed with water. Then the priest will burn the entire sacrifice on the altar as a burnt offering. It is a... What church? It is a special gift, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Isn't that interesting? You ever go to the you know, livestock rodeo or something and you smell all the animals? Could you imagine this whole thing of burning sheeps and burning goats and burning bulls and the smell it would emit? And here scripture says it was a pleasing aroma to the Lord because of what it did for us. If the animal you present as a burnt offering is from the flock, It may be either a sheep or a goat, but it must be a male with what? No defects. Perfection. What does this perfect sacrifice look like? Unblemished, no defects. Leviticus tells us this, chapter 22. You must not offer an animal that is blind, crippled, or injured, or that has a wart, a skin sore, or scabs. Such animals must never be offered on the altar as the special gifts to the Lord. If a bull or lamb has a leg that is too long or too short, it may be offered as a voluntary offering, but it may not be offered to fulfill a vow. If an animal has damaged testicles or is castrated, you may not offer it to the Lord. You must never do this in your own land, and you must not accept such an animal from foreigners, and then offer it as a sacrifice to your God. Such animals will not be accepted on your behalf, for they are mutilated or defective. Pretty strong, isn't it? This idea of a perfect sacrifice and what God wants from us and our very, very, very best. So I really want this to sink in in your head. I want you to understand this passage. So I brought a friend out here to help help you understand this point here, guys. Um, uh, um, the French should be coming out any minute, and that'll uh, help us all understand what this uh, what this uh, little passage means here. Um, uh, we gotta go. We gotta go in the house. And this was normal during the Old Testament days. Here, this was normal. Make sure he gets on there, because you know, good job, James. So, uh, so Pastor Nick is going to be our resident high priest here. He's going to be the priest to. Inspect the goat. I know he's very excited about this this job, and uh, he's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to check out this goat to see if there's any defects with this goat. Because um, here's the first thing: it can't be blind. So you want to make sure, there, Pastor Nick, that it's he's not. Check. Yep. All right. <laughs> he's not blind, and he can't be crippled or injured. Make sure make sure legs are okay and everything. Yeah, you didn't do a very good job. It can't have a wart, skin, sore, or any scab. Check for any skin sores. Watch where your fingers go. And uh, make sure there's no uh, scabs or anything. You're good? You check the whole goat? The whole goat. (laughs) (laughs) The legs can't be too long or too short. Make sure we we, we, we double-check that. Make sure... What? What? Lord have mercy on us. All right. And it can't be pierced in any way. you check that? Check. Did you check the tongue? Sometimes they. I... Not this good. Not this good. All right. Um, it, it can't have a slit eyelid, a speck in the eye, a commingling of the iris and the outer part. Yeah? Did you check the pupil? Like, you check? They can't be any commingling going on there. All right. If, if it's if the tail of the animal does not reach the knee joint, it's blemished. She's blemished. <laughs> it's blemished. All right. Uh, and here's the other thing: it can't have damaged testicles or be castrated. So check that part. She's a woman. <laughs> she's a woman. Yeah. How do you, How do you know she's a woman? She's <laughs> And it needs to be a male. Yeah. All right. So this is a blemish. Now, the other part in this exercise, come on up here, Pastor name. According to Leviticus chapter 21, the priest also had to be examined. So this is an important part of of the sacrifice (laughs) because we want to make sure that the priest is right. So Dr. Lyon is here to, (laughs) to, (laughs) to make sure. So Dr. Lyon... Um, <laughs> he can't be blind, so make sure he, he can, yeah, yeah, he's, he's got no injuries, um, both hands and feet need to be equal length, that's important, his eyebrows can't be too, <laughs> his eyebrows can't be, can't be too long, um, the eyes can't have any abnormalities, do you have any, ep- are, you, are you okay, um, and, and there can't be any other issues. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> and any moral blemishes, that's what it is. We're good. All right, give him a hand, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, you know, when these sacrifices were were, were taking place, you, you see, thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Give Pastor Nick a hand. He's been such a trooper. <laughs> Love him to death. Uh, I want you to just keep that mental image of of what it means to offer something to God. Now, here's what I want you to hear right here. The character of the giver is worth more than the value of the gift. The character of the giver is worth more than the value of the gift. God would take the gift, but the character was more important that it came from the best and that there was no moral blemish and it was authentic, and that worship, and then that gift meant something. Let's just flip it around. If you have a friend who's backstabbed you and spoke and slandered you, and a so-called friend, and has done hurtful things to you, and they decide to give you a gift on Christmas, let me just ask you, how much is that gift worth to you? Or you have a spouse who's been unfaithful, You have a spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, who's been unfaithful, and they've hurt you, and they've said harsh things to you, and they decide to give you a gift. How much is that gift worth to you? Not much. Why? Because the character of the giver is worth more than the value of the gift, on the other side, if you have someone who you know loves you and shows you love and grace and kindness, and they, they, they just love on you in different ways, and they give you something small, how much is that gift worth to you? It's a lot. It's a lot. The character of the giver is worth more than the value of the gift. So when you come to God, your character matters in the eyes of God. Who you are matters. Going to church, good thing. All that stuff. It's all good. Worshiping God, good thing. But God looks at your heart. He cares more about your heart. He He wants you more than anything else. God wants your heart before your gift. God wants your heart before your lip service. God wants all of you. Are you willing to give him all of you? Are you willing to give yourself and say, God, take all of me? There's something that happens with the Israelites. Their attitude changes. They understand the laws. They understand what they're supposed to do. And they understand how to play church, so to speak. But something happens. And you read about it in Malachi chapter 1. It says this. The Lord of heaven's armies says to the priest. This is God telling the priest. A son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I am your father and master, where... Are the honor and respect I deserve? You've shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, well, how have we defiled the sacrifice? Defiled means unclean, impure. How we defile the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. And look at verse 8. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So the Israelites or go into their backyard, and they weren't picking the best of the best. They weren't looking at the tail, or the eyes, or the iris, or they weren't looking at piercings, or scabs, or rashes, or any of that stuff. They were picking the blind, the crippled, those that were taking up space in their backyard, those that didn't have value in their eyes. And what they did was they would take that, and they would play church, And they would put it on this altar and they would want God to accept it. God saw it and said, you know what? I care more about your character than your gift and your gift is pitiful. Hear this. Don't give God something that didn't cost you anything. It's our human nature to want credit for something that doesn't cost us anything. It's our human nature. It's our human nature to say, God, look at me, look how generous I am, or I'm a good person, or, or whatever. It's our human nature to say, I want credit for this, even though it's not costing me anything. Give me credit for obedience without obedience. Give me credit for sacrifice without sacrifice. Give me credit for being kind, even though I'm not. Give me credit for being loving, even though I'm not. Give me credit for being a Christian, even though I don't spend time in your word, even though I don't go to church, and give me credit for being a Christian, even though I don't honor you with my finances, give me credit for being a Christian, even though I don't cry out to you, give me credit for being a Christian, even though my life doesn't reflect it, even though I'm sleeping around and having sex and I'm doing it with other people I shouldn't be doing it with. And even though I'm I'm, I'm not honoring you with my body, give me credit, God, because I call myself a Christian. Give me credit, God, even though my mind goes elsewhere and even though I do things I know I shouldn't do. Give me credit, God. I want your blessings because you're a good God and I want your blessings in my life, but I'm not gonna give you my best. Some of us are so shrewd. We, we take things and we twist it around, and, and we say, Well, I'm gonna try to kill two birds with one stone. And we're so cunning about it. Um, a few, I don't know, a couple of years ago or so, we uh, went to Houston, and uh, we have a relationship with American Furniture Warehouse. A lot of you know that. And we do disaster, national disaster relief projects here at Thorn Creek about every two or three years, I guess. But um, this was the last one we did. And we have a partnership with American Furniture. And what they do is they provide semi-trucks, the trailers. And then I typically go on the Denver News and I make this an announcement saying, hey, we are collecting any gently used furniture and appliances and bring them. And uh, we'll take it, take it. We filled up two semi-trucks within three business days. It was pretty cool. And, um, and then we, 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 we took a, a whole bunch of Thorn Creekers and, and we distributed to, to flood victims in Houston area. But when we had this trailer open, it was this was at our property right here, what you see in Washington. But um, we had people show up, and there were some people who gave like really, really, really nice furniture. I mean, it was pretty crazy. I mean, I mean, I mean, there was a little part in me that said, "Wow, this would look really good in my bedroom." You know what I mean? It was at that level. And then there were other people who bought stuff, like they, they went to Ikea or they went to whatever, Costco or whatever, and they actually bought stuff and they donated it. And it was, it was like they wanted it to go to a family. Um, but then there were these other people that showed up and they brought stuff. And they said stuff like, yeah, the table's missing a leg, but I'm sure you'll be able to find something. Or the dishwasher doesn't have a front door, but it's, it's really in good condition. Or the refrigerator, the freezer doesn't work, but the refrigerator does. And it's better than what they don't have, you know, that whole thing. And I, I told them, you know what, we don't want to love on people with trash. We don't want them to say, God loves you, and take this broken refrigerator. Or God loves you, and, you know, just stick a chair under the table. I don't know. And they were genuinely upset because we said no to their donation. So they wanted credit for their donation, but it didn't cost them anything. They wanted it out of their house. It was so bad, goodwill wouldn't have taken it. But that's, that's, that's our human nature. That's our flesh saying, God, give me credit for, for this, even though it's not my best. But you have a God who wants your best. He wants your best talent. He wants your best heart. He wants your best energy. He wants your best passion. He wants your very, 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 very best. He's not a God that says, you can give your best over here and give me the scraps over here and I'm gonna bless you like this. He's a God that says, I want you. God wants you. God wants you. When Grace and I were... um, Walking around downtown, getting hot chocolate, whatever. I get hot chocolate. Doesn't matter what I got. But anyway, as we were talking, <clears throat> we we're just overwhelmed with how good God is. If you want a stronger marriage, put Jesus in the center of it. If you want to know God's will for your life, put Jesus in the center of it. When you flip to the New Testament, there's a new lamb that comes to the table, a new lamb that comes to the stage and John the Baptist said it in John chapter 1 verse 29. He says the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." This was unlike any other lamb. Unlike any other lamb. This lamb of God that was coming to the stage was a lamb that would put all the other lambs out of business. This lamb was different than any other lamb. This is the lamb that after this lamb, you don't have to worry about the sacrifice tomorrow. Don't have to worry about another lamb. And look at this lamb. First Peter says this, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors an empty life. If you don't know Jesus, you have an empty life. If you have if your happiness is driven by sex or money or power or pleasures, you have an empty life. <clears throat> And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. Verse 19, it was the precious blood of Christ. Let's read it out loud. The sinless. Perfect sacrifice. That's how valuable you are under the eyes of God. That's how valuable you are. Hebrews says this, under the old system. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciousness from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, when in the Old Testament, when, they, when the blood of you know, goats and bulls and heifers were, were there, people still walked away with a conscience that was that was tarnished. They still walked away knowing I'm caught up in sin. But the blood of Christ is different. See, God doesn't want you to live with any shame. God doesn't want you to walk around with any guilt. God doesn't want you to walk around feeling defeated, feeling discouraged. That's not the will of God. That's what the devil wants. God wants you to walk away with a clear conscience that's been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, knowing that that sacrifice was enough. 2 Corinthians says this, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Isn't that beautiful? That's what God did for us. Here's in a nutshell, here's what Jesus is. Jesus was without sin and this made him uniquely qualified to be our sacrifice for our sins. He was the perfect sacrifice for humanity. It's a picture of God's grace for you and for me. It's a picture of God's love. It's a picture of this God who says, I'm not gonna leave you where I found you. Even though you're in a tough spot, I'm gonna reach out to you and I'm gonna make things right. And God fixed a problem that he didn't create. See, our human nature is, how many of us like to fix problems that we didn't create? We're like, hey, I didn't create this mess. Someone else cleaned this up. I'm not gonna clean this up. This isn't my job. That's our our flesh attitude right there. God didn't bring sin into the world. It was the spiritual grandparents, Adam and Eve, that brought sin into the world. It was never God's will. But yet God fixes a problem that he didn't create. And eventually he sends his only son, Jesus, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He was perfect in every way. Without sin, fully divine and fully human. Fully divine and fully human. And because of that sacrifice, you and I are living in the day of grace. The reason why you're breathing right now is because God has a plan for your life. The reason why you're breathing right now is because God loves you and God cares about you. I was talking to someone after this first service and her her dad just passed away. Some of you may know the story. But her dad passed away and she told me that I know he was a believer because I met him before I've met him before and he was, he was in love with Jesus and I sat down in their living room and he talked to me about Jesus and I could tell it was real. You know, you can look into someone's eyes and you can tell if someone really has a relationship with God. And She told me, she told me that, that what he would do in his life is he would bring in the homeless into his house and it wasn't unusual for someone to live with them so that he can help that person get on their feet. Now, yeah, when I heard that, I was like, that's scary, right? <laughs> that's scary. But that tells you a little bit about the heart of this guy. And I told her, you know what? <laughs> well, it's a, Death is a harsh reminder that we're not going to be here forever, right? It's a harsh reminder. It's a cold reminder. But But she has this affirmation, this confirmation that he is present with the Lord, that he has a new body. And I told her, not a lot of people have that assurance. But you have that assurance. And it's all because of Jesus. God has given you this beautiful opportunity to know him. And the way you walk with God matters to him. Romans 12 says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a, what? Let's keep going. Holy. Keep going. Oh, well, let's go back, brother. We we went a little 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 bit faster, a little, little, little trigger happy there. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your truth. All right. So, who's on the altar now? It's like a, in the New Testament. There's this little curveball that happens. In the Old Testament, what do they do? They bring an animal, and 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 like their their, their sins are somehow transposed to this animal, and that happens. But in the New Testament, who's on the altar? Who's called to be a living sacrifice? Yeah, amen. I am. That's me. That's you. And Paul, the apostle, is encouraging us, I urge you brothers and sisters, in in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, in view of His love, in view of His grace. Oh, you don't know how far He's brought me. You don't know how far He's brought me. You don't know how much he's forgiven. In view of his mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, to give yourself completely to God, to give yourself completely to God. And then he unpacks it a little bit in verse two. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, you're just passing through. You are a citizen of heaven. If your life is found in Christ, if you've invited Jesus Christ into your heart, you are passing through. No trouble that you're going through right now is going to take a hold of you. It's not gonna hold you down. You are passing through. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That means this world doesn't set your standards. This world doesn't determine what you believe to be right or wrong under the eyes of God. If the world says there's nothing wrong with marrying more than one woman, does that make it right? <laughs> no. It's because there's a, different, there's a different code book that I live by My heart and my life is wrapped up into this book, the Word of God that brings me life. And we're not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we're to be what now? We're to be, that means a change. And how do you do that? By the the renewing of your mind. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, change your mind. Can you do that? I know some of you are so stubborn. You're so set in your ways. You just, like, you didn't even hear that. Turn it again and tell them again, change your mind. (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with you. I get it. Change your mind. See, you can't, God, God can't change your heart until you change your mind. Until you see your life. Until you see yourself differently. Until you see that blemish in your life. That blemish, that thing that you've been living with that you like worship, you can't worship something and change it simultaneously. If you're on the top of the hill, then you're not gonna wanna, you're not gonna be, you're not in a position to experience God's transforming power. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And and there's this one word right there after the sentence. What what does it say? Then. Do you see that? Can you say then out loud with me? Then. See, it's saying, if you do these things, do not conform to the pattern of the world. Be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing before God. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then. One more time. Then. Now, everything that happens after then happens only because of the decisions you made before then. You hear that? If you do these things, then. Well, what happens? Then. You will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this half says, then. You will know the will of God for your life. You want to know the will of God for your life? You want to know your future? You want to know God's plan for you? You want to know how God wants to use you? You want to know the life God has for you? Do you want to experience that rich plan? I do. Well, you got to pay attention to before then. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This sounds so unproductive. I get it. It's like, if you really want to know God's will for your life, here, go to your bedroom and open up God's word and seek him with all of your heart. I know, it's like, really? If you really wanna know God's will for your marriage or for your life, get in your car and open up this book while you're in the car and by yourself and seek God and say, God, I need you. See, God knows the desires of your heart. He knows your fears. He knows you so well. He knows the gifts he's given you because he's the one who's given them to you. He's the gift giver. But if you really wanna know, (laughs) here's the message, guys. God wants you to be a living sacrifice. Be a living sacrifice. It's a really weird thing that happens when you're a living sacrifice. When you're a living sacrifice, it's not about your wants. It's not about your wishes. It's not about your desires. It's not about your preferences. It's about, God, I am just giving myself to you. No strings. I'm giving myself to you, God. No strings. And you give yourself to God. Don't give yourself to a man or a woman or a job or a boss or whatever. Give yourself completely to God because no one can satisfy you like Jesus. No person can satisfy you like Jesus. No career, no amount of money can satisfy you like Jesus. Only Jesus satisfies. He knows how to go deep. Like the woman at the well. He knows how to go deep. He knows how to touch those places. I was talking to someone at King Supers and said, How are you doing? And he said, the truth is I'm so empty right now. He refuses to come to church. I was like, dude, there's a well over here for you. It's a beautiful well. Why are you walking doing life like that? It's here Have you ever gone, gone through life feeling empty? You ever been to church feeling empty? It's not fun. <clears throat> some of you this is your prayer this is, the, this is what I'm going to ask you to do is, uh, is become a living sacrifice to God um, I want to pray for you and some of you maybe your first step is to ask Jesus into your heart maybe that's a decision you just really haven't made and that's your, the greatest prayer you can pray and I want to pray for you and then others of you you might consider yourself a Christian but you're not a living sacrifice to God and you don't honor God with your body You don't honor God with yourself, and God sees it. God wants the very, very, very best. When you give him what costs you the most, most, he moves in the greatest way in your life. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. We humble ourselves before you. And uh, Jesus, we cry out to you. We need you. And if you're ready to invite Jesus into your heart, would you just say this? Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior, and my Lord. Forgive me for my sins. And I turn away from those things right now. I want to be a Christian. So take over me and my life, my past, present, and future. And put your Holy Spirit inside of me too because I need your Holy Spirit. I choose to become a Christian this morning. Others of you who might consider yourself a Christian, already, but maybe you're not a living sacrifice. Would you say this? God, this morning, I want to be a living sacrifice to you, according to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I ask you to see if there's any blemish in my life. Take a look at my character. Take a look at my thoughts, even my hidden thoughts, and Take a look at my heart and the desires and take a look at what I look at and what I listen to. Take a look at how I, I, I give myself. Just look at every corner, open every door of my heart, and my mind, and tell me if there's any blemish. And I ask you to make me clean. Put your Holy Spirit inside of me, sanctify me, set me apart. That's what holiness is. Set me apart by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray to be a living sacrifice. Even though I'm in this world, I want to be not of this world. Even though I'm in this world, I'm not of this world. And may I be a billboard of your grace and your love and your power and evidence that you can change any life. Thank you, God, for church. A little slice of heaven. Thank you, God, for church. Coming together with other people and we all need your grace. We all get to worship you. We're all fighting the good fight. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church slash give.